but I feel like it, it, and I'll feel like very doomed or like down about the world, but I don't really know if it's like connected directly to things I report on. I feel like there's a lot of people around the world now who have a gloomy view on whatever is going to happen for our future. And that just kind of goes with the territory for a lot of people. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, and I'll have those feelings sometimes like more generally, but I don't really think I like go to sleep thinking about like how depressing something I worked on was or how bleak um, something was. Hello and welcome to Here in LA, City Hall Edition. Today, we talk with John Peltz. Up until very recently, John was a writer and editor at Knock LA, the independent online news outlet, probably best known for the LA Sheriff Gang database. If you Google LASD gangs, Knock LA is what comes up first. John worked for them for a little while, and most, just just a few days ago, parted ways. Uh, but, you know, John still covers politics, city hall, homelessness, and a lot of the tough stories that aren't as glamorous as others, but I think way more important. Uh, in this sit-down, we'll talk about... Does he ever get emotional watching homeless people get their stuff taken away? We'll talk about what it's like to cover the Echo Park Lake arrests like he did, where even the press were cuffed by the cops. We'll even talk about the pros and cons of the Grove, a place he had to go to a bunch of times when he was covering Rick Caruso's failed run for mayor. So here we are, Johnny. Hey, everybody. I am here with John Peltz, P-E-L-T-Z, right? P-E-L-T-Z, yeah. P-E-L-T-Z. I'm here with John Peltz. He is a uh, writer, journalist. He works downtown at City Hall a lot, but all over L.A. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about downtown. Welcome, John. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. Thanks for the applause, everyone here at, the, at this live studio audience. It sounds a lot louder yeah. on the podcast <laughs> than just me being an idiot. John, thank you so much for coming here. Um, John is a, uh, you're a writer. Are you a full-time writer at Knock? Uh, Knock has no full-time employees. Uh, we are currently uh, trying to raise fund, raise, trying to fundraise because our goal is to hire two people eventually. I remember when I first sort of uh, was following sort of media around LA, I think LA Taco had a similar fundraising thing where they wanted to hire a couple people. But yeah, our goal, our goals are like kind of just focused on getting a couple full time people hired. But no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm still technically a freelancer. I have a at Knock. We have um, our administrative duties are sort of volunteer positions called service positions, and like they rotate. Although recently, I've been the person who manages the pitches to Knock, uh, the pitches editor for about like six months now. And uh, Cerise has been the managing editor. We have an in progress editor who's uh, Katya. She's amazing. We have a social media person, um, Jamie, and uh, I'm trying to think of who I'm leaving out. We have a rolling trove of treasurers, <laughs> and uh, and so we all get paid uh, monthly like stipends for that work right now at the mm -hmm. moment. But uh, yeah, so but but I I I write and edit for Knock, but I also freelance and write for other publications as well. What other publications have we seen you in? Um, recently, not that many i've been pretty focused on knock but uh before i moved here and i used to you know write about pop culture in miami and nightlife in miami hmm. so i would write for i did a lot of work for vice and for playboy what for high, for high times yeah excuse me and for uh, billboard 
And then when I moved here, I did some video game writing before I wrote about politics. And, uh, and you're, you're living every teenage boy's fantasy. It's a freelance uh, Simon, sorry. No, but, but hold on. <laughs> the glamorous yeah. life. We're talking the fantasy, though. Yeah. The fantasy is Playboy, <laughs> High Times, and video games. Yeah. When uh, 12-year-old John, if I had told you, in the future, you will be getting checks signed by Hugh Hefner, Cheech and Chong. I feel like he was probably dead, or Hugh Hefner was probably dead when I wrote for them already. But I understand your point. What, what was your article in Playboy? Uh, I interviewed. Uh, I used to work. I used to work at this film festival, uh, and uh, I think the, the year after I, I first worked there, I got in as press. So I interviewed some filmmakers, and then one, I think the one that came out for Playboy was an interview with Charlie Kaufman. Not and, bad, because yeah. he's he's. Charlie, I love Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Because he's kind of weird. He's actually really weird, right? Was he weird uh, in your interview? He wasn't weird. He was, I would, I have a different, I mean, when you're at a film festival or like you're talking to a bunch of like actors and directors and people, a lot of them have, you know, very strong personalities, right? Yeah. Um, and he was uh, clearly like very, he did, so he co-directed this the movie he was in he so the movie at the time that he was showing was Anomalisa which was the stop motion mm -hmm. uh, movie I really liked I really liked that movie a lot yeah. and um, he, he co-directed it with uh, this this guy Duke Johnson who I know did a lot of work for Moral Oral and like, like some other Adult Swim animated shows oh and he was sort of doing this thing where I think he wanted to be like giving the credit to the other person like oh everyone wants to talk to me so I'm gonna really just talk to Duke or when you ask a question like. Like he would like, I would literally ask him a question, and if it was anything that had to do with like his past career, he'd be like, "Um, well, we're talking about Anomalisa today, and so why don't you ask Duke some questions?" Right. So he was doing this like kind of standoffish thing, which may have been trying to give his co-director credit, but obviously, like I just been really assigned to talk to him. Right. So it was it put me in a difficult position. Okay. So uh, high times. What did you do for them? Oh, that was okay. <laughs> I covered a mushroom festival for them. Oh, uh, with a, where I participated in a little mushroom parade. Hello, a little mushroom hat. Well, oh, only the parade you participated in? Uh, what, what do you mean? What are you trying to? Ask Did me? you eat some shrooms? <laughs> yes. All right. But there was also like there was foraging, there was cooking. It was a whole the whole gamut. You defined the shrooms? Uh, with like a guide, and they had a. It was sponsored at um by this really bizarre. Uh, what seemed like a very like, uh, you call it like a like a pseudoscience or like a, a like like someone who's like like Uri Geller who like Ben Spoons or what do you call that like a, a fraud mm. or whatever yeah it just seemed there was this company that was like sponsoring the whole festival mm -hmm. that uh, was very involved in like every little aspect so like you go to an event and they would try to sell you these like uh, cordyceps uh, like pills yeah or, like um, supplements I guess uh -huh. um, like over the counter sort of supplements and they were trying to get like. FDA of approval, but they had already like developed, but they would, they would like say stuff at this festival. I remember that was like, uh, that like, if you took these supplements, they would like cure, uh, or like if you're, if you gave the supplements to your dog, it would like cure your dog of cancer. Like these, you know, these, these massive claims. And I, I remember I was making fun of it in this high times article and they're like, we don't want anything on this comp, this like shady company. Just tell us about doing mushrooms and foraging. I'm like, all right. And okay. then I interviewed, <laughs> and so they cut it all out. But I remember I like, I like interviewed the head of this company. It was like, it's, it's funny because it's like something I would probably like, like in my current like mode of journalism would be a lot more interesting to me to publish something on it. But at the time I was like, 
this is really bizarre, and this company's really around everything we're doing here at this festival. And um, anyways, so I and I interviewed. Hold on a second, though. Yeah, you were on mushrooms at a mushroom parade. Mm-hmm. Was that really cool? It was really. It was really. It was. It was a very like positive, like family friendly parade, and everyone was wearing these cute little uh, like mushroom costumes. There were kids. <laughs> Did the kids know what was going on? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much, like, people know about, like, using psychedelics growing up anymore. Like, guess I feel like when I was growing up, it was still sort of like, like, oh, like, uh, you gotta, it's really hard to find psychedelics and you gotta be quiet about it. And yeah. And I feel like nowadays it's not really, you know. Well, that's, to me, that's also kind of the, the magic of, of psychedelics is unless you tell somebody... They won't know that you're on them. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not always, but yeah, for the most part. And I would, I, I think at that time, um, the town that was having, you know, I was staying with my parents, so I didn't want to go too crazy. Which town? Uh, this is in uh, Telluride, Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's so, it's super legal up there, right? I don't know if I think it's decriminalized. Right. I don't know. It's not like Biden hasn't approved of this yet. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know what you're waiting for, bro. Yeah, and I know like a lot of, um, you know, medical facilities and like, yeah. Johns Hopkins famously is like studies. Sure. How psilocybin helps like people. With as, as if I need John to to tell you. I mean, you're already, for you're thousands already... of years, we've known that it's, yeah. it's okay. I don't need a yeah. guy over there in a white jacket. Sure. We yeah. know it's okay. Yeah, but so I, I, I don't think I was getting too crazy. And a lot of the other parts of that festival were like, um, there would be people who uh, there was who um, would do presentations on mega dosing, oh. so they like spend like every day of their life doing. I'm stupid with drugs, so like I don't right. know like what the extremely high amount of mushrooms would right. be. But there are people who like they like you know they see themselves as like cosmonauts and whatever and yeah. uh, or psychonauts and that's just cosmonauts. That's yeah, same diff. Yeah, and so they would talk about these like you know days of tripping they would do and wow and to like discover. And I think the, like the working theory a lot of them had was that like you know it was which totally, totally possible was like, like like you know that life started on Earth from spores that came from, like alien spores that like fell on the ground and that's how life started on Earth. And so a lot you of know people would, like, we used to laugh at these kind of theories, but now that the government is admitting that, that they've <laughs> run across UFOs, I yeah, don't know. They could just be talking about little little spores. Let me let, let's let me ask you this one final thing about this shroom parade. Okay. As a journalist, I have a hard enough time sober, like keeping notes. Mm. And did you have like a tape recorder rolling the whole time? Like how how would you remember what was going on? Um, I was taking copious notes in like my I think it was like a phone notepad app. Um, and a lot of the stuff, yeah. And the inter- if I was talking to people, I would record the record it. Yeah. Okay. So those would be voice recorded. Um, I'm the same. Like, generally speaking, like they specifically asked me if I could take. Well, uh, well, I was asked to take mushrooms. And I, prior to that, like, if I would go out um, to like interview a musician or like um, go to like a a show or like a movie or whatever like I would be writing about for a culture thing mm-hmm. I would not do it I would I would make myself stay even though I was at like a nightclub I wouldn't drink even mm-hmm. I would be completely sober you know like artists offer you weed and a pretty standard you know like that's a pretty standard thing for people to offer you weed yeah um and I would just either like take it home and, get, and like 
like <laughs> give it to someone or take it another time take mm-hmm. it take weed smoke it another time yeah or like but i i would always be like too paranoid to be like uh, i don't want to like be in a situation where i embarrass myself in front of someone like this and like try to <laughs> yeah so i would like always say pretty sober except for that one time at the mushroom parade but also like <laughs> but again like i also didn't take very like like just to downplay the little like it was a very little amount of mushrooms like mm-hmm. as someone who I enjoy mushrooms and I've taken a lot more <laughs> at different times. But during that particular time, I didn't take very much. Because you were on the clock and you're professional. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm so professional. Seriously, though. Yeah. Because we, if, if you have any experience with psychedelics, you know what your limits are. You know what, yeah. what's possible. You know where these things can, can spin off into. Meanwhile, journalism isn't just showing up and, and asking questions and they just yeah. random, like, politely answer every single question you have so it's a struggle both of these are struggles and if you're trying to mix the two i bet you that's really hard it can be i also think there's like an aspect of me that's like what's the point of even doing that sort of thing anymore if if there was that like whole i mean obviously like people were all like would all like people who like like to write a lot of that stuff like would always talk about like hunter s thompson or david foster wallace or some like experiential Mm -hmm. gods or whatever and then like the like like late aughts came in like the 2010s and literally like every article was like i sat in an arby's for 10 hours and took acid and like that was just almost became its own like Mm -hmm. inner like joke that people would make fun of that journalism had kind of become yeah (laughs) Um, I, i i never really believed that hunter did all that though Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I just thought it was part of the fiction. I think there was. I feel like there was like. Also, having not really read a lot of Hunter, I've read a couple of his books and like some some shorter pieces, but like, he really doesn't talk about like doing drugs all the time. Like, it's right. not really like even a huge part of like everything he writes. Yeah, so yeah, like it's it's probably in a cup. It's probably in the Las Vegas one a bit, mm-hmm. but. I think like the Hell's Angels ones, he probably just drinks a bunch and like. So the billionaire, you covered him a little bit. You followed him a little bit is I'll put it this way. I never heard Rick Caruso talk about the Grove and the Americana, like hire me because I've given you two things that you never knew that you wanted. In fact, I remember when they were building the Grove, we said, we don't want this. We've got the Beverly center for a mall. We've got Melrose for street stuff. Why do we need another shopping area? And it turned out to be the most popular one. I don't remember Caruso ever touting that when he was running he would, for mayor. He would say stuff like, um, I, I went to a fundraiser once at this person's house. Um, I just showed up. That was that was a fun night. Um, it was? I ate a lot of prosciutto. Um, <laughs> it was a rich person's mansion? It was some rich person's mansion. Me and uh, another knock reporter uh went and we were like, there's no way they're going to let us in. And, <laughs> and they let us in. And didn't... Were you dressed nice? Uh, yeah. And why wouldn't they let you in? I, and I just, I, I, I don't know. I was, I was like, there's no way they're going to let us. And we, I like live, I was like live tweeting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember during that fundraiser, he specifically talked about like, 
he would use like how he know you know he would do the I know how to build things and like yep you know so it would it would be it would like be adjacent and like he would have press events at the Grove like he would have events like so when, it's implied because he's at the Grove but, yeah but the reason I ask it is when when and he has an well, office there right and he would do his interviews with the L A Times there understood <laughs> but in his debates like in his real public stuff yeah. When, when I was driving Uber people around talking politics, which you shouldn't do as an Uber driver, okay. easy way to get a one star, they were like, oh, he owns the Grove? And I was like, how That's does not everybody know this? And, and then I would listen to him, and he, he never said it on the mic when I was watching. Maybe, it just seemed weird. Maybe he didn't want to, maybe it was like a messaging thing that like, he's, I'm not just balls. I'm not just about malls. There's other things. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But that's interesting. I never really thought of it that way because I was so. Because that's I, I, what he's known yeah. for. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. That's his thing. Sure. And we, everybody loves this thing. We love the Grove. Do you love the Grove? Uh, it depends. Do you love the Americana? I've spent less time at the Americana. I've spent more time at the Grove. I live closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I like going there. <laughs> There's just. You're so hesitant to, to say anything nice about the Grove. I I like going... It's just... Okay, my problem with it yep. is I like the Cheesecake Factory. Why is that a problem? Because they don't let you bring shit from the Cheesecake Factory into the AMC. Well, of course not. But it's overlooking the movie theater. So you think like they want to share their business. Like, <laughs> so like all the stuff I want to eat at when I get to the Grove is that I want to bring... I want to like get a cheesecake and like bring it in. To the AMC, and I am not allowed to do that. What you're saying is delicious. <laughs> yeah. I want you to have that now. Or like my Buffalo Blast. I like the Buffalo Blast there, and I, I would love to what's, bring What's Buffalo some... Blast? What's that? They're these fried, uh, <laughs> like, hot pockets of buffalo chicken and cheese. Um, At Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. Ooh. It's like an $18 appetizer, but it's like 70 fucking, like, pockets. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. It's. So I, is it something that you would share for the table? Is it enough that you can... <laughs> I think that's the intention. <laughs> but, but you just munch them all. Which, yeah. which is perfect for snacking in a three-hour yeah. Oppenheimer movie. Yeah, it'd be, I, yeah, I just don't like that you can't bring the stuff into the AMC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's such a small percentage of people going into the AMC that they should allow it. I don't see why they wouldn't. And you're probably going to have to end up paying for parking a little bit. Because if you do Cheesecake Factory plus the movie, that's going to extend beyond the, the free parking time. It's not even yeah. free. It's like five bucks, even with a movie uh, ticket. I think it's like three. I think three, it's it's like two or three with validation. It feels like five to me because I'm so mad. But it's, I mean, I loved in Taifung, so I guess that's part of the Americana, right? Yep. So that's they have that. Although it's moving. It's moving to the other one, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so anyways. But, but we, there's also like no shops. The, the problem with the Grove is there's like nowhere to shop there. I mean, like. Yeah. For regular people. <laughs> well, For regular men. Well, all the big shops are just like, it's like an Apple store in like a Nike town. Yeah. It's like, you don't really buy stuff there. And then like, and I guess Barnes is the closest you have to being able to like go. And they have that like little coffee shop next to the parking lot. Uh huh. They have a cute little coffee shop next to the parking lot. I forgot the name of it. They got but, the sprinkles over there. Yeah. But the, I guess the Barnes, if you want to peruse the 50% off Criterions, is nice. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That is a good get thing there. Criterions there, but. See, this is a, a, a podcast about Leia. About <laughs> yeah, the Tashin has uh, sales too. 
Oh, right. That's like that's like right by the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there are some places, World Market, we can shop at. The other thing that I don't like about the Grove is like the all those like kiosks. Like they seem like they seem like places you would go to like after the like to get like an ice cream or coffee after the movie. Uh-huh. But they all close at like 9:30. And like it's so it's like it's like everything I want it's like everything I want there is like I can't just I just can't access it when I want to. Yeah. Because I remember my parents were visiting and we went to see the movie at the Grove and then like my dad's like I want ice cream. <laughs> and then we just couldn't access the ice cream kiosk and it was like mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't very late. I remember it couldn't yeah. have been very late. Um, and I was very frustrated. The, it seems uh, like the perfect. It seems like the perfect thing to be open late. The uh, the farmers market uh, ice cream mm-hmm. guy wasn't open at that hour. No, they closed the farmers market off at like ten. I mean, they they like locked the doors, but I don't mm. remember what time. Isn't it weird about LA? So so you lived in Miami for yeah. a while. I've always thought that it, it is weird how early LA closes up. Yeah, it was a big cultural shift. From, I mean, it's because like when you live in Miami, everyone's like, "Oh, LA, it's like the West Coast, Miami." Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I guess yeah, that makes sense." Not at all. And then it's like, "Oh, there's there's celebrities and there's the beach." And then you get here, and it's like everything. It's like, "Oh shit!" Like I gotta leave my house to get dinner quickly. Right. <laughs> like, like yeah, it is really weird. Uh, you know, places in Miami would be like be open till five, six. There's twenty four hour famous. There's like yeah. a couple twenty four hour strip clubs. So, I'm sorry. 24-hour strip clubs? Yeah. I think our strip clubs are open late. Are they? I've never been to one in California. I I, I, I don't like to go to strip clubs in my own town. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I still got it, I can get a pretty girl to come over here. Sure. <laughs> it's, a different, it's a very different experience. <laughs> Is it, though? <laughs> That's right. To hook up you don't know the girls I know. All right. <laughs> <It's really laughs> but, but I just think it's weird that this city is so big. And I would also think there's a lot of cocaine in this city. Like, why mm. is it that Miami can support late hours and we can't support it? And New York, same way. Why can why can businesses thrive after 10 p.m. in well, those not, cities and not here? It's not only that. I mean, like, it's also that the people who live there can, like, stay out every night till late. And then it's not like here. I feel like it's it's deemed a little bit. You can't go to a bar on a Monday with your friends and get blackout drunk here. <laughs> like, like they will judge you. They'll be like, I, I don't know if you should come out with us tonight. Like the next, yeah. Like, but in Miami, <laughs> it's it's part of the culture. It's part of the culture. I mean, it's part of the culture to get drunk like we on weekday nights, and I'm sure it's very. It could be very unhealthy. Do you think but- this is an extension of New York because a lot of New Yorkers love Florida? And well, people would probably people smarter people would probably say something something about like Spanish culture and the, mm. that people in Europe go out start going out later. And, there you go. Um, probably more the connection there but uh, although i've heard in korea even among business people especially among business people drinking late 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 at night mm-hmm. and then working at 9 a.m is is the thing yeah i think it's a very yeah definitely in other countries and like obviously like i I've all, yeah i just always felt the cultures like people in in miami you know like there was shitty like dive bars where like people will just start dancing at them yes and you don't really find that as much here no either i mean there's places there's obviously places where you can do that but like yeah in miami it's kind of like maybe i'm over uh fantasize or uh no what's, what's no, the, no no but like but like uh it always felt like that could just break out at anywhere you kind of were people people <laughs> like if you that if you wanted to go out on wednesday night and get trashed like you you know you'd wake up the next morning you'd be fine no one would 
be mad at you. Yeah. I don't really feel it's just not socially acceptable here. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 I mean, maybe in some, like, you know, I, I moved here relatively recently, so maybe there's like pockets of LA where it is and I just don't No, I don't really even feel boys it. town. I think shuts down at two. Right. And there was a whole argument where they, they were talking about, I know there was that, that state law where mm-hmm. West Hollywood was, was potentially going to stay open later. And the argument yeah. was that like, if people don't have to leave all at the same time, they won't all hop in their cars or they won't all Absolutely. take this. Yeah. So they'll like leave. So the, the streets will be safer. It was the yes. argument, which I can sort of see. Does it make sense to me? It, okay. So I've been driving Uber for yeah. on and off for nine years here. And when I did do late nights, and I was in West Hollywood, either on the Sunset Trip or on Santa Monica Boulevard. You would see floods of people coming out yeah. of the doors. But you also, you would drop off these people at midnight. So they only had like an hour and a half right. to like binge drink. And and that that's my it's biggest probably, argument about it's, it. It's like people are condensing their drinking into right. more dangerous. Yeah. And so it's, if it's not cool to go to the cool club at 10 p.m. and it's only cool to go there after midnight, you're just going to be binging. Yeah. And and that's not good for you either. Not necessarily. Now you're gonna hop into a car, but now you're really freaking plastered on the middle of a street. That's not mm-hmm. good for a city. Yeah. And so this four a.m. thing I thought was really smart because, as you said, now you can, you you can pace yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. And now that we're working from home, you can be hungover in the morning. Yeah, it's harder. <laughs> it's harder when you when you're older. Well, but you don't have to have your suit and tie and your dress, sure, yeah, and, and try to pretend to look pretty in, yeah. at nine a.m. writing for knock LA and you um, you focus a lot on city politics yeah I want to ask you if you have a favorite city politician is that allowed is it uh, allowed for a, a political a, a not a, a non-biased political journalist to say he's got a favorite uh, I don't I don't know if I'm allowed to answer. I mean you could Do ask you, me like specific questions I don't know if I want to say I have a favorite also I probably wouldn't have a favorite They'll be like picking between my, you know, they're all, they're all so wonderful. They're all just such lovely people. <laughs> How can I even pick between when did, when did you Monica start? Rodriguez and Kevin DeLeon? They're just so. It's really hard to choose. Yeah. They're just all love. I think, I think there's like situations where, you know, anyone who's living in a district for long, I was going to see like different things about like, oh, this, this person's more available. This person's staff will respond to your phone calls or respond to an email. Mm-hmm. This council member's staff will not do that. Or, right. Yeah. Um, I, I live in CD 13. Yeah. Mitch would answer my emails, uh, my tweets, whatever I had. His people would. Yeah. Hugo treats me like I'm dirt. I've what? not gotten a response from him. Yeah. Is, 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 it, is it, it's solely email? I've called. You've called. I've written his, uh, his people. Yeah. Uh, he's got one person on the website that's supposed to be just this area that I live in. And uh, like I've a district, a district or a, a field. Yeah. 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 I mean, these count, these, these districts are way too big. Yeah. Um, and so they, they split it up. And so I had a past guest, uh, Joe Berendo, who 
worked for um, uh, Garcetti when Garcetti was just a council person. And he goes, that's how you do it. You, you, you direct your email to the person for your little neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And that person hasn't written back. And, and yes, I'm a little bit more obnoxious on Twitter than your average Joe. <laughs> but still, I have ideas for this guy yeah. that will help us all, including him. And at least just answer my call is all I'm saying. Sure. So back to Monica. Is is she perceived as as somebody who I don't know is she well liked out there I don't know her district in her district I don't know the I mean I I'm honestly like one of the things I'm not the best at is going out to like the valley districts like and, you're not alone yeah and so and uh, and especially with like and a lot of a lot of um I feel like a lot of like my reporting on the city is, is like, you know, is perceived through my own like political lens or whatever, or the topics that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So it isn't always interest. It isn't always, uh, you know, about a long-term opinion or of, mm -hmm. of the constituents about a council member. It's not always about elections or services. It's more about like, what's this motion they want to do? What's, mm -hmm. what's this, what are they trying to vote on? What, what are they trying to divert money to? Um, yeah, I could be better about that. Funny. I'm just one guy. I'm just one guy, you know? You're, you're so much more than that. Especially on shrooms. You're probably like 18 guys. You know how I, I don't know if I know that many people, like per, my personal life, yeah. who live in, in her district. I probably know more people who live in uh, like Paul Corian's district or who people live in, I guess, now Imelda Padilla's district. But, Is Paul a popular uh, person? Uh, I've heard people say that his he's responsive. I, I I have a feeling he was probably his office is responsive. I have a feeling he was probably more popular before he became the mayor pro tem. You think so? Yeah. You think it's just like a whoever whoever goes into that seat is just like a it's, it, it's, it's a toxic sort of situation. I would not call it toxic. Yeah. I would call it uh, heated. Yeah. And it takes it takes a, a special person to to run that thing. Yeah. Now. Especially because of people like the People City Council and the 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 situation between the LAPD and the activists. Yeah. And I don't think Paul was built for, for that kind of a thing. I think he was built for nineteen eighties uh yeah. City Hall, you know, where it's old ladies who are like, There's dog poop on my sidewalk and, and it's like yeah. he can handle that. Yeah. I mean I I will say like optically, like I don't even think that like it doesn't I don't think it does any of them favors to see like them like to see like well I guess now you know he's not there anymore suspended uh to see because, but Price was doing the pro tem stuff I think mm -hmm. um uh it doesn't it does them no favors to see them like act like you know substitute teachers in school like you right. know get the students like I don't think even people who you know, don't like that there's people yelling at city hall, like find that endearing or right. find the, or find it endearing when like the city attorney's office is like, uh, let the record show the person is turning their back on. It's like, who is this for? Who thinks this is cool? And who is that guy, yeah. by the way? Uh, that's well, the one guy that, you know, people always make sort of make fun of in the live tweets is a uh, fobble city. He works in the city attorney's office. Yeah. It's just like such, he just can not let him. He can, he, I, I almost feel like, part of it too is like so after tapes came out and you know the protests and city hall got maybe more consistently aggressive for a bit i shouldn't say that but not aggressive but more um 
there were just people who were vocal every day. But you also, you know, even before that, like you'd have the very like racist mm-hmm. people in City Hall and um, who would come every day and they still come every day. Um, but I feel like after the audio and like, you know, there was probably a lot more media coverage, media coverage of like every city council meeting, you would see these arguments happen more because I feel like it was very much like a, Ooh, we're on camera now. I'm, I'm in the city attorney's office. This is my little 15 minutes of fame, mm-hmm. uh, to be on camera and I'm going to use it to, to lecture people. Right. <laughs> like, and it's like no normal person is like watching that meeting and like, I hope the city attorney's office gets to gets that person out of here. Like, I, I just feel right. like they're either probably enjoying the spectacle mm-hmm. or they're just like, who are these bureaucrats? Like, why mm-hmm. are they like, like, get out of there? Who are the bureaucrats? Yeah. <laughs> who are the bureaucrats as friends who aren't telling them you look like a douche doing this? These are I didn't say for, for, but, but if you were their friend, you would yeah. say that, right? If I were uh, the city attorney. Well, I, I mean, I would, You'd say you I, don't look good. I, I would say, yeah, I would say the optics are not good for any of them when, right. they, when they engage in that behavior. It, but but to me, the biggest problem is you know this is coming at yeah. you and you never change. You always look shocked that they're swearing. You're shocked that, that what they're asking for. And you don't seem like you're prepared for any of this kind of a thing. And you're the guy making six figures. Yeah. You're, you're the guy who's been doing this for a long time. And yet it seems like it's your first day in the job and you're the, the manager of Wendy's and you don't know how to handle a pissed off customer. I, yeah. I, I don't know if there's some ulterior motive around it where it's like, they wanted maybe people who were newer to watching these meetings to tune in and say like, and to, to let them know that they were outraged mm-hmm. um, and to let them know this isn't how city council normally goes. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's like the motive to be like, we're doing this little performance for the newcomers yeah. who are watching because of this big media scandal or um, it could be that, but, but yeah, it's just like, and you and like, you can tell they don't really get, like, a lot of the times, like especially when um, when when former councilwoman Mary Ortiz was running meetings, like just so how many like of the other like rules in the city charter, they they just like would just not give a shit about, mm-hmm. except for when it came to people yelling and protesting, right? Like you know these at these like people who would skip like Gil City would like people would skip meetings and like like they just wouldn't care about any of that stuff except for when <laughs> when uh, people would yell. So it's always I, like it just seems like it's a very convenient thing, um, um, and it seems to me that the ones I've watched on the live stream, almost every single one says, has a person who says that Kevin DeLeon should resign. Yeah, is this an ongoing theme on the the meetings that you've been to? There is one one commenter who comes a lot, and she she always sings these really funny, um, like rhymes. That's a, I, I forget her name, mm-hmm. so I apologize. If, she follows me or something. <laughs> um, uh, and I know, you know, Adam Smith does his folk songs, his beautiful folk songs. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I I feel like we're almost like so far away from that now too, where it's like not only is, is there no, um, you know, and the election's coming up obviously and uh, who knows what will happen there, but uh, we're so far away from them asking him to resign. I mean, you know, on, on Fridays when they, you know, city council's in re- uh, they're on recess now but like in Fridays when they would do these like presentations like cultural events things happening in the district like Kevin DeLeon goes up and you know makes presentations and 
has people cheering for him and uh, has like joyful introductions by Paul, by record court will be like and now uh, Kevin DeLeon with the president you know like they're they're really which is also not a good and, look and Paul I think, yeah I I believe it's still a contingent of the council will walk out when 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 DeLeon will do that I think it's like maybe council members Yaroslavsky and Hutt and sort of Martinez and uh Hernandez and Rahman, I think I think they all still walk out when he does that sort of thing. Oh, good. I think so, but I I remember I think when he did a presentation, people were still leaving um, the chambers for that. Mm-hmm. Some people were. Good. Um, good. But in terms of like any procedural thing to right. remove him, I don't think there's any. It, it would kill him to write yeah. a law. And then there's also uh, there's also um, yeah, I mean you should probably get Rob Kwan on here. To, he probably will. I don't know Rob Kwan. more more have more knowledge about the uh, what that would require. I don't really know the nuts and bolts. But these are the, these are lawmakers. Yeah. That's true. I mean, when they want to, you know, pass a law to outlaw encampments, they could do it pretty quickly. There you go. Like, but, <laughs> there you but when go. it comes to anything involving their own government body, it takes you know, which which it takes which years. It's not supposed to happen in L.A. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's not supposed to happen among Democrats. Democrats are supposed to be different than this. I think that's also like a part of like what like knock is and uh, it's just like, you know, it has always been um, on the attack against Democrats in, in California. I feel like it's one of the few, I mean, I feel like that's what's interesting about it, or at least when I joined is like, I feel like it was definitely one of the few places to write for that was definitely unafraid to criticize any Democrats, mm-hmm. even though like, it's the framing is always going to be like from the left or whatever you want to call it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there were, there are, I feel like there are, especially during elections, like, you know, you, you'll hear from people that are like, Oh, why are you making fun of this? Or why are you criticizing this person with this amazing long democratic career? And it's like, well, what have they actually done? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you, you'll always hear like about this person or that person just having this long storied political career here. And, Mm-hmm. When you meet them and you watch what they do, you're just like, this doesn't seem like they're <laughs> they're they're interested in helping people. Give me an example um, of this. Are we talking about Mitch? Or are we talking about Eric? Uh, I was talking about neither of those people. Oh, good for you. I was talking about someone I always had a negative experience with, even in interviews, and then people always I feel like defend him was uh, was was a former council member Paul Karatz, mm-hmm. who I really did not think was engaging on like any issues with right people. like and, and he was so it's also to his credit though i remember he was one of the and when he i thought it was that was like also like really ugly when he left council his last day and he was just like i yield he was doing like some weird rephrasing of the i yield my time fuck you and it was like and the people were like laughing and cheering him on it's just like such an obvious uh, hatred for his constituents, um, but uh, he he was bitter because a Pikachu beat him for probably for, for uh, uh, controller. But which, he, which... he also he had also come out. I remember after the tapes came out, he had come out with a really strong statement calling for all three uh, council members on the tape to resign. I think actually before uh, he came out with a really early statement. Uh, Obviously, Councilmember Bonnie came out with a very early mm-hmm. strong statement, mm-hmm. um, and I think Raman, and I think Caruso came out with a strong statement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because people were very critical early on of 
Bass putting out a sta- Bass's statement had some had had like, you know, it's it's all about getting people together for unity and uh, talking this out or something. It was it was some like statement. It was a statement that didn't explicitly call for any resi- It might have called for Nuri. I don't. I, I, I probably fudged the timelines. I think very early on people were calling for Nuri's resignation, and then right. it kind of percolated to others. But I remember Caruso had called for the resignation of all three people on the tapes pretty early on. Well, of course he's a Republican. Uh, yeah. And so did, <laughs> and so, did, <laughs> and so did, uh, I believe Caress did as well. Right. But I always found when, so, you know, just talk about someone with some of them, like some of those brutal sweeps I would cover or go to were in his district. Um, let's, let's talk about those real quick. Yeah. These sweeps, these are the, yeah. uh, 41, 18. Is that well, the, no, not, no, I mean like some sweeps would happen. Well, you know, yeah, like there, are, there are forty eighteen zones where, where sweeps will happen, but a lot of these are just in, you know, on the care plus sheets. Um, the care, these are these um, cleanings uh, that are done by the mayor's office, or they're done with funds from the mayor's office. That ostensibly it was started to, uh, you know, Lexis Olivia Ray, who I, I believe has been on your show, is like he's done a great series of reporting on it for LA Taco. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the basically the impetus for it was like. Um, when Garcetti was mayor, he would, you know, go to encampments and provide them sanitation services and cleaning while simultaneously, uh, offering them services and, and housing. Um, and Lexus reporting found that like it was Lex, sorry, Lexus's reporting found that it was very, you know, very small amount of people who were actually, uh, you know, placed into housing for many of these cleanings that are still ongoing under mm-hmm. the current mayor. Um, but, so when you were out there, what did you see? Uh, in Caressa's district. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would feel like I would see just like, um, I've seen people be placed into 5150 holds, you know, mental health holds. I've seen people arrested at those, at those sweeps, a lot of just harassment by police. Um, you know, I've seen situations where, uh, you know, police would come by and say, you know, uh, just like yell into te- yell into tents, basically you have ten minutes, you know things like that. Just it's, mm-hmm. it, to me, think, it's just you think this is a reflection of the council person? I think it, if I think it can be. I mean, like I think that uh, I think there are certain districts where you go to these uh, cleanings or sweeps, whatever you want to call them, and um, the resources will be maybe tilted less towards the police being there. Um, hmm. The uh, there might be less hostility towards the people at the encampment. Mm-hmm. Um, this the the actual like, you know, once sanitation gets there, um, if the council and a lot of these things, if the council office isn't sort of there to, I feel like direct them or or tell them like what they shouldn't shouldn't be doing or throwing out or who they shouldn't be maybe uh, more aggressive towards. Like if you don't have those like. Uh, resources there to like assist with the the sweep. It's largely going to probably go worse because people just don't. There's like I guess we're going to throw everything out and mm-hmm. that's it. And so I feel like there's districts I handle it better, um, and districts I handle it worse. Who who handles it good? Um, I don't. I'm know. asking a journalist opinions. <laughs> I don't want to. You said it. I don't want. I don't want to say it because because I just don't think that like uh, 
I don't want to be in a situation where I, I okay. just don't go into, I don't go into enough sweeps in the district and then I miss the really bad one. You're but I've seen, but, you're, but you're, come on now, but, uh, but, okay. but I, I will say like, if like, I remember his districts were particularly bad. Um, mm-hmm. it, give me an example of the proper way to do a sweep then. How's that? Is that better? Um, I don't know, you know, per, like for my personal opinion, I don't really know if there is a proper way to do a sweep. I mean, well, first of all, we should consider that this is these yeah. people's yeah. possessions. First of all, they're the poorest of the poor in the city. Yeah. And these are their stuff. This is their stuff. People could look at my living room and say, like, this is all trash. Let's throw it out. Yeah. I've had girlfriends who have said that, by the way. And they might be right. Yeah. But it's still my stuff. And so some people have said, treat these, these poor, poor, poor people's possessions with respect right and so if if you do have to move it do it like you would do it with your stuff right you know would you agree that that's the proper way to to look at things yeah i would i would say that like it's i don't understand who it helps to force someone to store their property you know 37 miles 30 miles away from where they are and then go go to pick it up is that what happens sometimes if they don't throw it out i mean if they if they don't throw it out they, they store it and this, so it, is it you, up in the valve? And or, then you or? have to go, if you're the person, you, have to, you, get, you get a ticket, a receipt uh-huh. uh, with an address on it. And you have to go within, I think, 90 days, uh, get your belongings back. So it's like, so I just don't see who it, who it helps. Right. Um, it seems very So wasteful. you've got to like rent a, a U-Haul or something? Like somehow this very poor person who's literally living on the street. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I have, and like during some of these, I've been to some of these inside safe operations you know the mayor's this new inside safe initiative and some of the like and i also i don't know like you know when you go and you're a journalist and uh people who work in these offices recognize you or know you're going to come i don't know if that changes how friendly people are or whatever um but like i've i've like certainly some of these inside safe operations i've seen you know people from just from council offices pull up with their truck and like be like i'll help you move your bike or I'll help you move this. So then like we're taking you to the hotel and we don't want to have to make you store this. So I'll help you with that. And I have seen people in offices do really, you know, I guess you, one might say it's like a basic kindness, but, um, <laughs> but I have seen people do a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't know if it's because they know the press might be there. Good. Um, Let's have more press then. But uh yeah, I think that's a lot of a lot of people I talk to. I feel like go to sweeps or go to cleanups or whatever. You know, it's. I think it's a pretty like. It's not the best. It's not great for storytelling. Like because because in the sense of. I don't like to really interview that many people during those situations because I don't want to interfere with something that I'm sure is you know if, if someone's trying to move their things or move to another location it's a very uh i would assume very traumatic um yeah and stressful tough tough part of their life tough part of their day yeah so i don't i think people go or the people who who i know reporters who i know who go sort of do go with the idea like oh if i go and monitor this or see what happens maybe it won't be as bad right and i do think that's a part of it and i think it's like yeah, I, I don't think I've even written that many stories, like written stories, because mm-hmm. I, I think I posted a lot on like social media. But like, it's not amazing for written stories because 
it's the you know the same thing happens a lot a lot of these things it's like like these people's days are ruined Mm -hmm. the city looks kind of um unforgiving Mm -hmm. and hostile and then it happens again do you believe in astrology do i believe in it not really this is why i ask you're a cancer Uh uh-huh cancers are are the leaders Mm -hmm. of emotion so when you see these sweeps do you get emotional i don't know if i get emotional in the sense i would say it's hard for me to do to be at something like that and have and think about other things or think or be multitasking or like doing other like tasks or like writing because it's if i'm like at city council it's very easy for me to um be watching something happening or while writing down or tweeting something or coming up with an idea um but if i'm at something like a sweep it's a little more difficult it's kind of like just like very like you're just kind of watching this stuff happen around you it's sort of it's hard to really have other sort of thoughts or things going on, but I wouldn't say I get like uh, very emotional about um, a lot of the stuff I do like that where I'm out. And I don't know if part of it's just like you, you kind of like pull out of your body maybe a little bit when you're like being like, I'm going to cover this and post it on social media. And so I want to frame this, you know, in this way and write this tweet out or, and, or take notes or whatever. And maybe you pull out of your body a little bit when you're doing that stuff. Um, I feel like yeah. journalists have to, yeah, because if we do get too emotional, then yeah, then our, our, our storytelling is, is, is skewed. But I guess I'm just asking you when you drive home, when you're about to go to sleep at night, do you think about what some of these people have said and what the, the, the city has said in response? Like, do you ever see people crying as their stuff is getting thrown in the garbage yeah, can? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you see. Um, that would like that. make me emotional. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, like, there's, I don't know, maybe I'm a sociopath or something, but I don't think that, like, I don't, I don't think I go to sleep. There's times when I when I'll like go to sleep but i feel like it and i'll feel like very doomed or like down about the world but i don't really know if it's like connected directly to things i report on Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of people around the world now who have a gloomy view on whatever is going to happen for our future Mm -hmm. and that just kind of goes with the territory for a lot of people but i don't i don't know i mean and i'll have those feelings sometimes like more generally Mm -hmm. but i don't really think i like go to sleep thinking about like how depressing something i worked on was or how bleak um, something was now I do like really try to, uh, be respectful and connect to people after I, um, if I interview them or, or use their name or anything like that. And I try to, I think I, you know, I try to be in situations where I'm not just going to somewhere and then like never coming back to that location or, um, never in a place where I could follow up with people, which of course, will always happen in some circumstances. Like, there's circumstances where you're just never able to find someone again. You don't but, want to be the guy that just parachutes in, takes the picture of right. their lowest day ever, and then goes <laughs> right. back to Malibu. So in that sense, like, I do get, like, anxious and emotional and be like, like, I'll get on myself and be like, oh, I want to make sure I'm I'm not fucking this up and doing this the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure, like, I, you know, if it's like, oh, this person got their attention straight, 
Well, that looked good on video. I guess I'll just I'll just leave and go home and never talk to them again. I will like try to follow up with them and try to email, especially if like someone's like, "Hey, I you know I asked for this or I um, don't know who um, the service provider was that contacted me the other day." Like I will call the council office and I'll be like, uh, <laughs> "I feel like I feel like a lot of like I do it and I'll, I'll try to frame it like I'm writing a story, but I'm just trying to find information to help someone." Good for you. But like. I, I I would assume I would I would hope that like other journalists do that. Yeah. And I would I would think they do. I I I'm sure they do. And so like I'll try to do things like that, but I don't think that like um it trends towards like me coming home and like being like wow that was that was fucking crazy. I don't and I also think that's like not really helpful to always act like that or to act like you. I don't know. I I don't. I feel. I feel like I would almost feel like guilty if I let myself feel like, oh, I just went through something crazy. I don't know. It seems kind of like weird, and I mean, I don't know. Sounds like you're the right man for this job. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, because uh, I, I also mean... like. To, I also like to game a lot. So like, I you know that's that takes my mind <laughs> off things a lot too. And like, mm-hmm. I don't. I you know when I get home, I don't. I'm not like if I'm not writing something, I'm probably like consuming some like intensely uh what do you call it? like immersive content mm-hmm. so uh, maybe don't, maybe don't no, listen. I, I ask from my own experience yeah. uh i'm an older i'm in my 50s and so when i was in college um the first iraq war was happening first desert shield and then desert storm and this was before the internet so we had to watch a lot of tv listen to radio and read newspapers and i was just I was blanketing myself with all this really sad news sure. about how America was going to carpet bomb all these poor Iraqis sure. over over a lie, you know, that, that somehow they were involved with 9-11. And it made me so depressed that I had to stop writing for the newspaper, which was my favorite thing in college. And at that point, I realized I'm, I might not be the right man for this particular job. Yeah, because it does affect me and it it is hard for me to just go home um, to a beautiful girlfriend, to a a nice apartment, a safe block and just get high and watch The Simpsons. Yeah. You know, and 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 so I admire people like you who've figured out the balance and how to compartmentalize things. And I also appreciate people who just get in their car and cry for a half hour before they go home. Let me just let me just be clear. I don't know if what I'm doing is healthy. Like, <laughs> I don't know if the way I approach things is the right way or if it's the healthy way. Yeah. Um, and there's also like there's like you know other things in my life that I get very suppressed about and yeah. and that affect me in ways that uh, you know and and like there's there are struggle there are like things I struggle with, but I don't think that like. Yeah, for whatever for whatever reason, I'm able to approach it that way. Um, you got 99 it, problems, but this ain't one. Didn't say that.
It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Uh, it's dangerous now, you know, and um, and and it's it's more competitive because there's fewer outlets, and it's just it's really a hard gig, yeah. you know. And, and you you bring up Lexus. Lexus was harassed by both the LAPD and, and the city attorney. Sure, yeah. Which would not have happened to him if, if he wasn't writing for LA Taco. You know, and so, and what was he doing? He was on the street covering a celebration. Mm-hmm. And he gets harassed. And, and he ends up with PTSD. Yeah. Right? Well, I don't know. I don't, I, well, I, I, he, I don't know. He wrote his, about it. Okay, he wrote yeah. about it. He, um, he said, this, this yeah. gave me this, and I was afraid to go outside. I was afraid yeah, to do things. About, We've talked. We've had conversations. I mean, I've I've had situations where I've been, you know, I've been like, is this worth? I mean, that's the whole thing. Is like you end up thinking like, is this worth? Is this worth it? Like, mm-hmm. is it worth? Like, if I don't have, if I don't have like a game plan for mm-hmm. my own career where I'm like, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have any game plan, where where like I think I'm gonna write at some bigger outlet or or I don't know what I'm doing. And if I'm like never in a place where like. I can probably be, you know, have that backing or, or comfort as like, oh, these city officials or police or whomever might know who I am mm-hmm. um, or that they might like be a little uh, less aggressive because they think it'll uh, be, be a bad luck for them to harass a journalist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if, I, if I never have that, like it's I'm like, oh, is it worth it to go and keep doing that? That's kind of stuff. I, yeah, and then, you know, now obviously there's, you know, Ben Camacho getting sued by the city attorney's office, mm-hmm. who's another writer at Knock. Um, but yeah. I mean, people knew who Kate were. were, were people knew that oh, Kate, Kate was a journalist. Yeah, sure, yeah. And they still... I mean, they knew, they knew who I, when I was, when, when me and Kate Gallagher, who was a colleague, who was a, she used to work at Knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is now at a, another media company. But she, shouts out to Kate. But she, um, when she and I got arrested, you know, from the time that we were surrounded by the police to the time that we were uh, taken on the bus and then taken to the detention center, this we is, told this is, this is at Echo Park. This is Echo Park. We had mm-hmm. told them multiple times we were journalists, and we were also both wearing. Um, and I know, I think you know, I know, I think um, other reporters had tweeted out on social media about it that the arrest, and um, I know uh, what's it called. How, you know, me and Kate were also wearing our Knock LA T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, which isn't, I guess that, you know, in my opinion, that's a pretty clear cut. Not many people have those T-shirts. No. Um, I've never seen one. <laughs> we need to get we need to get more prolific with our merch. But to your point, you probably have to work there to have a T-shirt. <laughs> I I don't I don't know how many T-shirts are going around. We need but that's what one. I'm saying, though. Is yeah, yeah. You're I think probably so. yes. a journalist. Yes. You're probably and, their and journalist. Right. They knew who Kate was and they knew who they also detained her like cameraman and her like uh mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember who else from her if it was like multiple producers. Mm-hmm. I forget, but it was like it was multiple, yeah. So but yeah, okay, it's, let's it's, let's it's rewind just a little bit. The uh the city had had decided that at midnight they were gonna clear out the uh encampments at Echo, Echo Park Lake. Uh something like that. Around midnight I don't in the middle of the night, they were going to clear out, and they, well, they, they were. Had it. Well, it was a two day. It was a two. Day, you know, I was there on the second day. Okay. So th- I think I believe I was there on the twenty fifth, and it was on uh, the first night. It was the twenty fourth when you know there was another. Uh, there was a protester there. I remember the night before, got his arm broken, mm-hmm. um, closer to the lake, 
And then the night we were there, uh, they had sort of set it up so it, it you couldn't really go as far into the like you know you were sort of stuck in the surrounding areas. Um, the police had set up a press watch area. Yeah, where you couldn't watch. Correct. Yeah, and they and they called it a or a, a Crespo zone. I think is what uh-huh. is uh, what they established. By the way, established after uh, this guy, like this, uh, it was established in a lawsuit by this uh, journalist, uh, Al Crespo, who is a Miami uh, guy. Um, he just he just recently died. But he was covering like a protest in um, Al Crespo, rest in peace. He was covering, he's also, he was in a Florida prison for bank robbing. He was a bank robber turned journalist. Um, My kind of guy. Yeah. He, <laughs> Is he a good bank robber? Well, he got caught at least once. Caught. But... but so he was covering uh, some sort of sports, like, a, like a sports celebration or something like that mm-hmm. um, for uh, like a TV outlet, like a CBS or an ABC. And he had, a, he was holding a camera and he got uh, shot in the head by like a rubber bullet. And there's like, I've seen the pictures of him. Like it's like a dent, it was like a dent in his head. Hmm. And so he sued the LAPD, I believe with the help with the ACLU. And that's what led to the establishment of the Crespo zone. Okay. But still, <laughs> I would happen to think that that's still against the Constitution. Freedom of the press doesn't say unless city council makes a Crespo zone, screw you in your zone. Well, also, there's nowhere in the Constitution where it says that the uh, municipal police agency decides what the press can and can't cover. Right. Which is how it's a lot of times it's, you know, even when you go to sweeps, like, um, as I'm sure you've seen on social media, like they'll set up, you know, yellow, uh, yellow lines that the press cannot go through even yeah. though it's, it'll be on the public sidewalk yeah and you'll see you know people get ticketed or there is a law on the books that says you can get ticketed for like interfering with a sweep and, mm-hmm. and, and which i know they gave to sean car mitchell and i know mm-hmm. they gave to uh william good right mm-hmm. and um which, that, which, which was it's super a, shady because there were were no lines right on, on that particular arrest it was yeah. just a a cop who is he was like, you have two minutes to leave. And he's like, never mind. I'm going to arrest you. You're arrested now. Yeah. Which is why they dropped it. Yeah. Because, because it was nuts, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's, you know, there is a, I can't remember the name of the, there is someone who's like filed some sort of suit against about 40 minutes. I think a lot of the laws like city council passes or, or especially like it just doesn't, they don't seem like they, they, but you need, you know, they need to be challenged. So like, like, okay. So let's go back to Echo Park. Yeah. They told you to go to this. This are are you good with Yiddish? <laughs> uh, like I, I don't know Yiddish. I can I can pronounce it. I listen I listen to Howard Stern all the time, mm-hmm. and so he says Yiddish things all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say uh, Fakemkin. What would you call Fikemt? this? No, no, no. It, it's a, a Fakakta. Stu- yes, Fakaka. Fakakta. So they set up this Fakaka <laughs> zone Fikakta. where you can't even see. Like they mm-hmm. they picked the place. You can't see. Right. It was nowhere near the the. First of all, I mean, you couldn't even see into the into the park itself because that was already, I think, being fenced off. And right. Were, but then, do I need to be out there and just yell at the umpires all day? <laughs> just like what? What? Be, be, but okay. and also, you know, when we were arrested, uh, we were with you know, twenty cameramen. Like there were, it wasn't just KK. I mean, there were other uh, people who, like, it was just a, a whole media scrum that was just like, yeah. we don't know. 
where else we're supposed to go. Right. Like we're blocked in on both sides. They wouldn't let us leave from one. They once they told us to leave on one side, um, you know, the, the police came in from the other side and blocked us in. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there may have been like, like, uh, I remember thinking like, like, are they trying to, at the time it was like, it became very obvious they were like blocking us in so they could arrest us. Mm-hmm. But I remember before that I was like, are they trying to direct us into these like small slivers of sides out of the sidewalk? But that was not the case. I think they were just, <laughs> but they were very obviously trying to block us in and keep us from leaving the area. Um, let, let me, if you can answer this and I appreciate how professional you are, why are the cops like this? <laughs> What are they hiding? What are they protecting? What do they think they're doing? I know it's it's impossible for you to get in their heads, but do you have any sense of why they would act this way on this particular thing? They they, they everybody knows it's going down on this day, so everybody yeah. knows. If you've twenty photographers, you've kind of invited them. Everybody knows it's going to go down. Why are they acting like this? I don't. You know, I think part of it is that. There, fr- there's frustration with the fact that so many people are giving them bad press. Um, that they were not getting any good press from uh, this event. You know, I think uh, just the way that they will respond to some journalists who are critical of them, like myself, or like, and this is just I'm talking about Echo Park, but mm-hmm. like following that and before that I think it's like you know they'll, they'll respond differently to journalists they think are critical of them mm-hmm. than they will of journalists they do not think are critical of them so I think part of it's like they don't want the bad press and I think part of it's with the video cameras I always thought that this was um, you know some sort of mass protest exercise for them um, they were protesting the press well <laughs> I'm not saying that but I think like the entire night that, it seemed that like- would make sense though I, I do think there was, I mean, I think the press was targeted, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that much was obvious after multiple reporters were telling him, you know, when they're arresting K.K. Olin, she's obviously a journalist. I don't yeah. see how you can call that targeted. Um, she's a whole camera crew with them. But then but then at the same time, like, they had these field cards, and they had, which I think are no longer being used, where they made you feel, they tried asking me for my social security number. But they, they had, On that day, they asked for your social? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't give it to them, but they asked me for it. Um, they, uh, LAPD. They, I mean, I guess you can ask if somebody's gonna be dumb enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, they, and they, uh, but it seemed like they were documenting some sort of mass training protest exercise, how they, how they would respond to protests now after, uh, the 2020 George Floyd uprisings. And like, which, and so which, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we were like part and, you know, I think I think I don't think they were happy the press was there, and I think they were uh, definitely targeting us. But I also think that this was part and parcel of some larger exercise they wanted to do with how they dealt with mass protests and how they dealt with um, removing encampments, mm-hmm. uh, because you know the the encampment removal itself is like pretty well documented by the LAPD, and I think of you know. Um, and also following that night, you know, they would talk to, um, they would, I remember they would talk about like press to like press advocates or to someone, but they were like emailing back and forth with like advocates for journalists because it was like, I think it was something like the most 
people arrested in one night in America was like at Echo Park or so. Like it was, I forget what the exact stat is, but NPR wrote about it and that was like the line they used. Mm -hmm. So it was like of all the journalists arrested in this year in America, like some percentages of whatever from Echo Park. And then, so I think because there were so many, you know, journalists arrested that day, there was a lot of back and forth with the LAPD and like press advocates. And I recall them like, you know, in these like follow-up emails, they're like dissing specific journalists and, um, calling they're like actually that person's not a journalist they're an activist so they're also like mm. making themselves the arbiters of who it can and cannot right. cover them um and it didn't happen in a vacuum right black lives matter happened because of police brutality and it seems like the police reaction to that is a lot like my issue with the mayor pro tem in the city attorney is Oh, you don't like us? We're gonna give you something really not to like. Like instead of instead of like being professional about it and saying, "Oh, yeah, it is a bad look when we're shooting on people and we're putting our knees on on people and killing them," we're just gonna up the heat. And so, I guess part of my question on why the cops acted the way that they did at Echo Park is, I wonder if maybe part of them is I want to break a John, I want to break a Kate. So that they stop doing this. In this fantasy that there's not going to be somebody that replaces you, who's going to be stronger and tougher and wilder. You are such a polite person. Oh. <laughs> you're exactly the person that I would hope that, that the police would want in front of you. Because you're, 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 you're being fair. You are fair. Your, your reporting is both sides without being the bad version of both sides. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and like, you do the work. And you're not getting paid very much, as far as I can tell. I got paid. I got paid. All right, good. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're the last person that they should be worried about. And I know that they'd rather see Paul Majors out there, or even uh, actually probably oh, Sean Kennedy that they'd rather have out there. I don't know who these people are. Good for you. <laughs> they'd rather have Tucker Carlson out there. All right. Right. The Lord just, knows he's not getting uh, arrested in that in that kettle. I, I highly doubt. I mean, like I, I've literally been out. Because he's not a journalist. That's why he's not I've get been arrested. out with, like, other journalists in front of people, like... I've been out with people, like, in scrums and whatever, and seen, like, people like like former Sheriff Bill in the way of, like, pick and choose who he's talking to, and they pretend other people don't exist. Right. Like, like, I've seen them, you know, all these people do the same shit. And, like... Yeah. Uh, I mean, people, city, people in city council do that, too. I don't know if you saw the video um, of uh, Liz Chow recently. She was at... Um, she's with LA Public Press. Um, she's a great reporter, but she was with um, she was at a, a press conference with like Mayor Bass and uh, Councilmember John Lee, and she's like circling around John Lee, saying like, "What do you think?" I don't know if you saw this, but like the, the LAPD in that district was saying they wanted to like mass arrest like all these people with this one in Camden, and then also in like follow up public records uh, requests, it was found that like they removed, you know, tree branches above the encampment. So she was like asking John Lee about it. And like, uh, he's just like circling not to respond to her. And this is a press, this is like a press conference. <laughs> like, you know, like these, these are all events where they've called the press to come. Yeah. Uh, this, this is again, my problem with it. All these people went to uh, good schools. Yeah. All these people are getting paid. Well, you don't practice. There's not like some sort of like, 
prep before you do the press conference? Like, right? it's just weird. You can't come up with something. Like, like you can, right. you, you can say anything. You, I mean, you could like, like. How about that's a great question. Like, our office will get back to you tomorrow. Like, it's that yeah. simple. You don't have to run away at a press conference from a journalist. Yeah, I mean, people would do that all the time. I've seen. You know, the first few times I would approach when I when I first started like approaching Garcetti at events, mm-hmm. because his office wouldn't respond to me really. Yep. Um, You're not alone. And so I would start just approaching him like, you know, it, that's what you got to do. You got to find them at whatever event they're going to. And mm-hmm. I remember I approached him at Thanksgiving events, and <laughs> he like he you know they were doing the whole his his like press guy like blocked him off with his body and then like they he was like rotating away from me and like eventually when i would see Garce- once garcetti like knew who i was he's like okay i'll, I'll come up with something mm-hmm. and he would tell me something or sometimes he would give me a good answer even yeah like that's like sometimes he would even respond directly and uh crazy concept yeah and so and um it would just always be so strange to me when I, when I started doing it here. And like that all, that also makes it like, it all, like when I first started going to these sorts of things as a journalist in LA, it also made me feel like, oh, wow, these people really don't get like challenged on anything. Like, right. which was kind of like exciting. Like it was exciting to be like, like, <laughs> like, like they're not going to like, they're going to uh, be surprised when they have to actually answer these, these things. And like, so that was exciting for me, like also to do that kind of stuff. But at the same time, yeah, it's like frustrating to be like, I'm not really, I don't think I've ever asked something that insane or like that, that, uh, anything irresponsible or like not founded in truth. And so it's always crazy to me when people are just like refused to engage with you or, mm-hmm. um, especially like, especially elected officials. It's right. like, you covered, I don't think you were there, but you covered the, uh, when Kevin DeLeon in a Santa's hat, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to say choked out a, uh, who do you, who was the guy that he choked out? Uh, that was Jason Reedy. Okay. Who's, um, who, I be- who I believe is in people city council. Okay. Bad look for KDL, right? I I would say the optics are not good on that one, yeah. And then he threatened to sue the guy for assault, and the guy threatened to sue him for assault. I don't think anybody ever really truly got sued. I believe uh, they both were interviewed by the LAPD, and the LAPD said they were like investigating the incident, Uh, but charges haven't been filed against anyone, as far as I know. Right. Um, Yeah. Which doesn't shock me. LAPD doesn't want it. The LAPD likes Kevin. But if 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 they go if they go with with say the council member's story, then people say, oh, they're they're you're in the pocket. They're in the pocket of the council. If they go with the activist story, then the council could say, oh, you know, the LAPD isn't protecting us, or right. they are defending us. And Good luck with your eighty million dollar raise next time. So boys. Uh, it's, I can imagine it's not. I'm, I would I would think it's probably a very politicized decision. Which, which is why but, I'm not shocked that the LAPD th- yeah. wash their hands at it. But but my point is is that. Maybe this is why politicians try not to engage with the press because they know they have short tempers and they know they have thin skins, which is yeah. horrible for that what's job. Ac- what's actually very funny is that, I don't know if it's funny, but uh, it probably actually is pretty indicative of, of the personality of someone like that was uh, before the tapes, you know, uh, his office probably hasn't responded to me since last October. Uh-huh. But uh, Ke- wait, you've, you've reached out to Kevin's office. Yeah. And they won't write you back? No. Why? Uh, again, again, 
Don't you think this is unprofessional? I mean, I think they're scared. I mean, they, you know, they, they, the office is a, is a joke. They have multiple people on staff as communications. So after they have like, because the head of communications is Pete Brown, who, by the way, also handles their always incredibly late public records requests. Mm. So their comms person is handling their public records, mm-hmm. which I think is crazy. I don't see how you could not want to, you know, the public records act is something you legally have to respond to. Mm. I don't see why you would have someone in charge with the narrative that you need to put out for, for whatever you're doing or whatever your goals are for your office. Like, the spin. Yeah. It just seems silly to me. It mm-hmm. just seems like a bad conflict of interest, mm-hmm. but no, they, they've never, I don't think they've responded once. And I, you know, they're uh, late on their Facebook all the time. Like they'll be doing something good for the community, like free food or something. And they'll advertise it like 15 minutes before it's about to happen. Yeah. And I, I, it yeah. is a mess over there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with the. Uh... But I, I guess what I was saying before is like, uh, Councilmember De Leon was actually one of the uh, very, uh, <laughs> for me at least, like he was always very approachable, very nice. Um, I feel like he felt he's one of those people who's a, a natural politician in the way that I think he thinks he can win everyone over to his side. Right. And. Uh, so he'd always be very effusively nice to me. And um, when he was like running for uh, mayor, it's always pretty easy, especially compared to um, say someone like Rick Caruso. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to access him and ask him questions about like, well, if you were mayor, what would you do? But like that, that part of it was pretty, he was very approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't all tapes when he became. Uh, oh yeah. And he, and he, yeah. It's when like, your racism comes out, I bet you, you change. And I think he, yeah, I, I, I think he would even like, invite me to events mm. um like he'd be like the, we're doing this mayor i'm running for mayor and i'm gonna go visit this community. you should come john like he would invite me to that stuff huh. uh actually I, bass bass's campaign would invite us to, to stuff as well but well, let's talk about caruso because we yeah. know K- kdl's bad we all know this hey I'm, I'm objective i think he could it could go you're, it you're, could go either way it's, everything's a double-edged sword um i don't know <laughs> he's bad uh audience what do you think He's bad. Well, you can't call a black child. You can't compare a black child to a a purse and then not have a town hall. Because that's that's my advice to him Mm -hmm. is this hasn't blown over because you say it's blown over. And and it's great that the Latinos in your district are supporting you, but they're not the ones who are offended. It's the black Angelinos who who KDL and and they try to. Um, redistrict out of having any representation and those are the people that you need to reach out to if you want to continue Mm -hmm. political life in LA is my opinion crazy person also I'm black so and I was once a a, a young baby and so it it, the history of black people is we're we're looked at as objects we were we were slaves as just objects not humans and so all KDL is doing is extending that into this century in LA which it should not happen so little little uh, energy around that You work at Knock LA, sir. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of superstars that work there, and you're one of them. 
right? But I would say the biggest superstar is, is Cerise. Mm-hmm. How do you say her last name? Castle. Cerise Castle. Mm-hmm. And she's a superstar be- in my mind because she has done things about the sheriff's department that I feel like no other outlet has done. Yeah. To, to, to the extent that she has, including a huge database. Um, and it feels like with the cooperation, I don't know if it was intended to be or not, with People City Council of Google LASD gangs, um, knock pops up as number one, right? For Google LASD gangs? Yeah. I would think so. I, I mean, I that's, that's why they're whole... telling people to do it. Is yeah, I mean, see... I think that, that's that what brings up. I, I forget if it brings up the first star. I mean, maybe we should do it right now, but I don't know if it brings up the first article or if it brings up the database. But, but it goes to knock. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's awesome because it's Googling something that generic should go to the LA Times or AP or somebody like that. Somebody huge, right? Well, they could never get to that level of exposure because they refuse to use the word gangs, I think. Isn't that strange? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was the clicks whole, or whatever. That was the whole. Pre- yeah, well, I think in, in recent writings, they've since like, I believe since um, th- that one shot caller, allegedly, alleged shot caller <laughs> at um, at uh, the COC meeting, the civilian oversight meeting. I, th- I believe he's he was saying he was in a gang at this meeting. I think maybe after that or following that. Mm-hmm. The other kind of maybe start saying gangs more, but they were say would say subgroups or cliques, I believe. They also say deputy gangs. They also say deputy gangs, yeah. So which, SEO wise, they could say. Yeah, I mean, I think we did a, the whole team when that series was coming out and following, and you know, I mean, Cerise and Cerise and other folks would go to protests at the East LA Sheriff Station, where we would go to, uh, you know, community uh, sort of events around someone who had been shot by a, a, a sheriff's deputy. And I think we all did a really good job um, carrying the story. I mean, like, you know, I, I could, yeah, like I think going on, I think using social media to sort of get out experiences at those events where maybe, maybe some of us, one of us was trying to get a quote from Villanueva or, mm-hmm. um, or someone was trying to cover a, community gathering where we were being like videotaped by sheriff's deputies or something you know like so i think we we did a really good job following up with it and mm-hmm. sort of carrying a momentum especially into the election and mm-hmm. um so cerise is is the managing editor of yes the website does that make her the boss uh knock is a non-hierarchical newsroom so we do not have any uh set bosses what she is she is a she has what's called a service position um, as do I, and as do a few other folks. Um, it sounds and, like a hippie organization. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. It's, you know, it's. It's supposed to. The intention is to not replicate um, some of the more. Uh, you know, some people who are in knock come from more journalistic backgrounds. Like Cerise, for example, has worked in a number of newsrooms and um, been involved in a number of different types of organizations. And mm-hmm. obviously, she carries a lot of knowledge with her. Knowledge of that with her. Um, and, uh, you know, the intention has always been not to replicate traditional newsroom structures and mm-hmm. sort of toxic workplace culture kind of things. And Oh, so having a boss creates toxicity, do you think? Uh, having a I, leader? I, I, don't, I don't know if I could say it does or doesn't, but I feel like with the sort of work we do with, with a lot of it being volunteer-based and uh, with a lot of it being folks that aren't necessarily career journalists mm-hmm. or who aren't all necessarily career journalists are coming to knock to 
start a career in journalism and they maybe are into the, this sort of work because it's something they care, you know, something they really care about or uh, something they, or it's, they're just using this small amount of time on their day, um, you know. Well, let so, me ask, let so, me ask you this. So I, I guess to say is like, I don't know if it's always, I don't think the structure is necessarily conducive to uh, sort of the people who come to us and work with us and uh, do the work that we do. So, You're the, the pitch editor? I have the pitches editor, yes. So, if so, so you alone decide. If no, pitch comes no, in. No, no, no. I just I it's, am it's like it's a hippie place. You guys all do shrooms and say, <laughs> "I like this." It's no, pretty. we have we have a traditional. I mean, we have like a relatively traditional and orderly slack, um, <laughs> and uh, better be orderly. Um, I am responsible for sort of being the point of contact. Okay. And so for, and obviously part of that's just like getting sort of lucky and people knowing who I am from social media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to, for people to sort of just know. That's sort of why I started doing that role for now. Cause because I, all like people will just directly send me crap and then right. I have to be like, and so anyway, so I will. So if I'm a writer mm -hmm. and I've got a great idea, I send it to you. You, and could, you send it to Cerise, and she says no. <laughs> no. No. So you a meeting on Slack. There's so you, a, you could send it. You could send it to me, or you could send it to our uh, our our knock email. Mm -hmm. But then someone puts a the most likely me will put it into the Slack, and then we'll discuss it. And basically, uh, if there are three more thumbs up emoticons, oh. then there are detractors. Oh. Then we'll run it. So it's it's purely democratic. Yeah. It's like the Super Friends. And I won't. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's anything I, you know, you could be the one person who's the last detractor who, ki who kills something. And then I guess in right. that sense, you would have a swing vote. You could be the swing vote, but no one person's saying like, we refuse to run this story or we are going to run this story. Right. And it's not, it's not me. And people, it, it, so anyone online who thinks it's me and thinks I killed your story. There was, there was other thumbs down. For yeah. You. There was other thumbs downs. <laughs> okay. So. I mean, I was making fun of this earlier, mm -hmm. but it, it first of all, it seems very sweet. Mm -hmm. Because I guess okay, so you're a Cancer, I'm a Libra. We're cardinal signs, bro. Okay, we're leaders. We're born leaders. We can resist it all we want. We can try to be hippies about it, and I do. When I was running LAist, I tried to be as democratic as possible, but at some point, I was like, "We're all gonna eat Thai food this month, kids." And if people bitch, I'd be like, "Then fine, you don't get to eat Thai food then." But I want every day there to be an article about. The Thai town restaurants. And so we're all going to do it. And I'm the boss. And if you don't like it, go write about something else. But it seemed to work. But maybe yeah. it works because they're like, well, Tony is just such a freak. Let's just try it. Fuck it. Right? Uh, wow. He's so he's just such a brilliant editor and a brilliant mm, publisher. That. <laughs> but, but, but I think they're like, you know what? I like Thai food and I like lunch. One day this month i will have thai lunch thai i think thai. i think because the uh, you know a lot of the stuff we cover is so intense and heavy and um one thing I, I will say we don't do an amazing job of coming up with like uplifting or like fun cultural pieces which yeah. i think would be very helpful to keep people reading our website on like a daily basis because a lot of the stuff we come up is very investigative or serious yeah. or intense um but i think you know the fact that we aren't reliant on uh um ads mm -hmm. and that we like have this sort of base of people who are interested in us who are 
interested in the stuff you write about and interested in LA politics and these different issues um, that it's, it's just, it's just it, the structure doesn't necessarily always work to run it like that. I think mm-hmm. um, now if you want, you know, and it obviously, obviously, cha- obviously it changes if, if you know, if you get, if you get a big scoop, if you get a big scoop and you're saying like, I, I need help. I, I, I think this would be really amazing if we, uh, I mean, I think journalism is terrible. I think journalism is one of the worst things ever. What? <laughs> because, because, because I hate that you have to compete over getting these stories out and, and getting them out the right way. And it's just compete like, with who? I mean, I, I mean, if like you, I think with everyone, I think, I think if you know, you have a big sc- a story and you're like, mm-hmm. you know, that there's always gonna be that like nervousness of like, shit, what if I miss it? What if someone else gets it first? Yeah. I don't think it's a healthy way to look at. You should be able to call dibs and then all the other outlets are like, fine, you got, you got a month. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I just think it's, it's cause it's like, I think that's the reason you see a lot of people burn out from journalism. And I think it's the reason you see a lot of really crappy, especially like early coverage of big stories where the the article will come up with like 200 words and it's just a PR press release. Right. And it's like, uh, you know, I think that's where propaganda comes from is that like mm-hmm. impetus for to have to break news. And, mm-hmm. um, but so, may, but maybe the, the, the goal of being first is the silly, is that's the silly part of journalism is that maybe the scoop, maybe the breaking news isn't that awesome. And that the follow up a month later, that's really rich and detailed and has a lot of quotes in it that weren't in the the breaker mm-hmm. is really what we're striving for. Well, that's what we're striving for at Knock. But like, as nice as that is, to, and I'm happy that we're striving. We're typically striving for that. But like, as nice as as it is to say, like, what really matters is the follow the in depth follow up. Mm-hmm. We all know that that that's not how people read the news, and we all know that that's not who gets. Uh, people don't. Uh, People get recognition generally if they break stories, or if they or they they move up in their career, right? If they break mm-hmm. stories, or if mm-hmm. they're known for breaking stories, so so it's like so as as nice of a concept as it is, and I think that's why like Knock is a really unique place, and that we can do that, and we can have an in depth follow up to something that may have been already written about, but was missing context or mm-hmm. frame poorly, or uh, and we we have the audience that will help will be interested in that mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's how most of the industry functions let's finish up with this yeah. you've only been in LA a few years mm-hmm. you've seen the belly of the beast <laughs> you've dined at the cheesecake factory <laughs> I have yeah of course you've uh, uh, dined at millionaires uh, mansions mm-hmm. you've seen it all do you love LA do you want to stay here the rest of your life do you miss Miami what's going on uh, I, I adore LA. I've, I've loved it since moving here. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I do miss about Miami. Uh, there's some pretty unique places and food items there that I don't really have access to out here. The like water's what? warm, uh, like a fried snapper sandwich, you know, <laughs> or like a, or like a, a fried snapper sandwich. Yeah. I feel like I don't get like a lot of Peruvian ceviche out here either. Huh. Um, I mean, there's places I know there's a, there's this one place in Colford or Lonzo's, right? That's a Peruvian place, I think. But uh, Miami has a lot of really good ceviche, stone crabs. I miss the stone crabs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't have stone crabs that often, but I at Joe's Stone Crab they did have the six dollar fried chicken, and I would get the six dollar fried chicken at Joe's Stone Crab. Sometimes it's just nice to have the option, even if you yeah. don't use it. Yeah, it's like you know, you know. Um, no. but no, I, I've I've always liked LA since I moved here. What's uh, your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is uh, Johnny Pelts. Johnny Pelts. Mm-hmm. Who calls you Johnny? My uh, mommy and my daddy. No. <laughs> and my sister and my brother. Uh, do but, people do people give you a hard time on Twitter by calling you Johnny? People, I don't know. Like people have like made personal attacks on me, like really, really sideways. Because as you as you probably well know, I get into it a lot with people. Yeah, you and know, when, you're good on Twitter. But they they come at me, and I I see like Johnny Boy, and I see like, <laughs> and I, I'm just like, this is such weak weak shit. <laughs> Because like people do call me Johnny in my life, and it's not an, always an insult. So I think it's sometimes it sometimes is intended as an insult, and I'm just like I don't understand why I'm supposed to take it as an insult. Yeah, it is my name. How great was Johnny? You know who we'd stay up drinking till four in the morning with, and not judge our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying Tony Jordan. I missed your birthday. Here's a few bucks. Get yourself a nice piece of fish at Santa Monica Seafood or what have you. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Granke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, Chris from the ATX, Gregor, and Phil. To be a Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Want to support us, but you bet the Dodgers would still be playing baseball at this time? Youch, but you can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. For my, for, for my belated birthday, that's what you can do. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. We've got a hundred and now seven to choose from. Go crazy if you want and post two. Tweet something nice about this. You know, a tweet is is pretty good too. Um, And I'll gladly retweet it. In fact, anytime you see uh, here in LA, tweet about an episode or even bus blog tweet. Knock yourself out and retweet it. It'll do, it'll do good for your soul. And for God's sakes, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled, and then it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and even Spotify and, and even YouTube. I have to update this copy. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who really should have been named Speaker of the House, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and hardworking journalists everywhere trying to get elected officials to live up to their duty. Keep, Keep fighting, fighting good, good fights! fights.